Hey guys, I am so excited for today's episode. I really wanted to spend some time talking about families who are in a remarriage or blended family situation. I feel like it's not talked about enough, so I'm going to give some tips and tricks and some exercises of things that you can do in between if you're in that situation. So let's jump in and get started. Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Hey friends, I hope you are doing well. I wanted to talk about remarriage and blended families today. I think this is um, a part of families that doesn't get addressed too often. And as you know, there are many people around us, many, maybe you are someone yourself who's experienced um, the loss of a spouse, whether due to divorce or death of a spouse. And now you're in a situation where you've perhaps received an annulment and you're remarried or considering remarriage to someone else and blending some families if you have children from those previous relationships. And so I think it's important to take some time to talk about this of what do we do when we're in these situations? How do we navigate those situations in a unique, the unique way that blended families and remarried couples experience, because there's a little bit of a different angle that comes from it. I um, give some talks for our local uh, pre-cana here in our Diocese of Orlando. I give some presentations for for them from time to time on different topics like communication and whatnot. And I also get to do some workshops for some of the remarriage couples. And it's so much fun because they have lived some life a little bit. They've had some life experience and they come into these relationships with so much wisdom, so much passion and joy and a little bit of apprehension too. There's a, there's just some natural fears about, you know, what, could potentially go wrong this time around if something didn't work out the first time. And so it's really interesting conversations that I have with those groups. And I thought it would be just really fun to, to talk about that more and share some some of those aspects and hopes to help you or to help someone you know. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the set of different lived experiences. I think when two people come together, I think this is for any situation, whether it's a first marriage situation or a second, right? You have a different set of expectations based on your lived experiences. What do I mean by this? Every now and then there's something that happens in a relationship, right? Where, you know, somebody gives you the look and you could say, oh, I know what that looks means, but it gets a little bit more complicated. First of all, we don't always know what that look means, caveat, but it gets a little more complicated, especially when you're entering into a second marital type of relationship that somebody could be giving you that look that reminds you of the look that your previous beloved gave. And you can say, oh, I know what that look means, but not realizing that that's based off of your previous experience with another person and that that look with this new person that you're with could mean something completely different. And sometimes we get triggered in the moment and we jump to conclusions without realizing that. So we have a different set of expectations just based on our previous relationships that we've lived who we've lived them with, how we think a relationship should go, and realizing that that is a 
a key point, something to be aware of and pay attention to and how that expectation can influence your relationship in a particular way, identifying those fears and triggers. Like I said, it could be a behavior, a gesture, a tone of voice, a verbal message from your beloved that sets you off, or it might be a feeling you experience, something that reminds you of something painful from the past. Be sure you know what that is, what sets you off so you can interpret, um, not interpret, so you can interrupt that trigger and its impact. So you can know what to do about it. And one way that's helpful to do this is by interpreting things in the present, in the light of the present and not the past, right? So again, when we say, oh, I know what that means, that could be a mistaken misinterpretation. Oh, I know what that look means, or I know what that tone of voice means. That you could be making a mistake about that interpretation based on your past. And so making sure that we're not being too quick to judge the motives or the meanings of your beloved and their words or their actions. And and on top of that, there's some type of grief that we can bring in to our relationships as well. If you've lost your beloved due to death, uh, due to a divorce, maybe there was some type of situation where you found out that there wasn't a sacramental marriage there and there was a separation, but you lived a committed life. You started to build a life together and there was grief in that process of losing that previous relationship. And we bring that into our current relationships as well. And so there's some things that come up that uh, I, I've called before, you know, so, sort of ghosts from the past. And they pop up in these little trigger moments in these situations where we uh, get haunted from the past. And they sort of remind us of what work needs to be done, where there is a need for healing and uh allowing uh, God's love to come in and influence us so that we can help our relationship so that we can be a better version of ourselves. And that involves possibly some wrestling with forgiveness. There are maybe ghosts from our past that persist and keep coming up. If you think about that, that layer of the onion, as we peel back each layer, we think we took care of something and it's gone, but oh, there's another layer there. So sometimes these ghosts continue to pop up because we haven't fully grieved our past or we haven't forgiven our exes, whoever those people might be, our ex-spouse. And so this is an opportunity to really wrestle with that, dive in and go through that process. Sometimes we can be a little too quick to jump to the healing part. We just want to get over it and we just want to be like, oh my gosh, I need to be over this and put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Because I think too, there's a fear that I hear a lot from couples that they're worried about well, if I bring this up, does that look like I haven't moved on from my previous relationship? I don't want my current spouse or the person I'm considering re-entering marriage with, I don't want them to think that I'm still kind of attached to this old relationship. So let me just keep this quiet and not let them be aware because I don't want to seem like, you know, basically that I'm to have an unhealthy attachment to that old relationship. And I, I just want to encourage you that that's okay to bring those things up. You can ask your 
new spouse, you can ask them for prayer and you should be bringing your concerns to your beloved, regardless of if they're about a past relationship or about whatever's happening in your life in that moment, stresses with work. We should be um, sharing our lives together and that's the beautiful part of having a helpmate in your relationship is to have someone that you can ask for prayer. Um, share what are those things that you're learning about yourself, your fears, your triggers, those ghosts that pop up. Anytime we're peeling back an onion layer, let them know about it. Say, hey, um, I just want to let you know, you know, we're in the middle of this discussion and you just gave me a look that reminded me of my ex and um, I just need, I just need a minute. I just want to let you know, can I have like five seconds to take a breather and get, shift my focus to let me, because I'm starting to have a reaction and I don't want to take that out on you because I know that has nothing to do with you. And, um, you know, so please pray for me or, you know, it doesn't have to be in the middle of a discussion. You can just say, Hey, I just learned this self about me. Remember when we were talking about this the other day, I'm realizing that I probably reacted so strongly because it was reminding me of something from the past, a ghost popped up. So will you just pray for me? I just would really love your support and encouragement as I'm kind of uncovering all this, as I'm really wrestling with it, I'm having a hard time and, um, you know, just wanted to let you know that it's something I'm learning about myself and I'm kind of excited, but it's also really hard to. Um, so please pray for me um, that I can get through this time. And so those are just a few things you can do. It's okay to honor your past. It's okay to honor the loved one that you have lost. And you should treasure your past because that is what has made you into the person you are today, who's allowed you to get to this point to meet this new beloved person in your life. And you, so you should love your past, but it doesn't mean you have to live in the past. You can honor it, you can treasure it, and you should love your past but you don't have to live in the past. And you have one of my favorite scripture verses is perfect love casts out all fear. And so you have this helpmate now who can love you with that perfect love, who can help you grow in that security together in your relationship and help combat those ghosts together. And so I just want to encourage you in that to keep moving forward, even when those times feel really scary and really tough. One analogy I read online before about this is you can ask yourself the question, right? When we think about hurts in our past relationships, it's kind of akin to putting your hand on that hot stove, right? You touch the stove, you get burnt, you're hot, and you remember it for the rest of your life. You always avoid getting burnt on the hot stove as much as possible. And so you can think about this in the context of your relationship also. You can say to yourself, if I had never sat on that hot stove of a relationship, so to speak, if I had never been burnt by that stove, how would I respond in this situation? So in other words, if I had never experienced that difficulty in my past relationship, how would I respond with my current beloved today based on, a, based on this situation? And the answer to that question represents your potential. And that can be a goal that you set for yourself as far as what do I need to be striving for in my current relationship? So that's a little bit about remarriage and you as a couple, and there's lots of opportunities to have conversations. I would say you can even go through some exercises asking yourself those questions. What are previous experiences that you have had that will help you in your future marriage or in your current new marriage? What aspects of your relationship 
are different from your previous serious relationships and how are those differences helpful to your current relationship and how can they potentially be a hindrance talk write down what ghosts or fears you have to look out for as you enter and embark on this new relationship and what pains are you especially sensitive to so take some time to write those answers to those questions down and share them with each other and that can be a really fruitful conversation between the two of you now for the really fun and interesting part (laughs) blended families is a huge challenge i give my hats off to any blended families because it is not like the brady's bunch so to speak it is not as perfect as we would like it to be and couples can get really bogged down and frustrated with this because they want so much to have that beautiful hallmark family moment and It doesn't happen for a lot of couples, but what I will say is that 33% of all weddings here in the U.S. form blended families. Blended families are very common, so you are not alone in this, but it takes a lot of work to be uh, a loving blended family or to be an effective, smart, loving blended family, to be kind of strategic about how we blend this family. One uh, analogy I read before is that blended families are kind of like crock pot families. They're slow cooking families. We can't microwave a blended family. We can't put it in the blender and mix it up and expect everything to be homogenous and wonderful. This is a long-term process. This is a little bit of the slow game. We're playing the long game here, a marathon. And so we want to remember that in a blended family your honeymoon period is at the end i think it there's the statistic says it's six to eight years before a blended family really feels like they get their stride and like they're functioning as one cohesive unit and their own unit so it takes some time to shift from whatever our family looked like before to now with this new family and giving yourself some patience and some grace to let you know that that's perfectly normal and natural and that those things take time and to be encouraged in that so when i was a family mediator for a couple years i came across a family who um was in a blended family situation The you know mom and dad had gotten divorced and dad had a girlfriend that he was living with and mom had remarried and the kids of the first marriage um beautiful amazing teenage girl um 17 she was kind of your ideal child she was involved in a bunch of activities um sga she was a straight aid student she just was very reliable and trustworthy wasn't the kind of teenager who was going to go out and do a lot of uh, risky things risky behaviors but in these new family situations she uh, didn't really care for her dad's girlfriend very much she just wasn't a huge fan and this girlfriend worked her butt off to try to connect with this teenager she would ask how their day was and Um, ask her questions about her life and the teenager was just very cold kind of one word answers not because she didn't um, like this person or think that there was something wrong with her but she you know she didn't feel a connection for her and she didn't feel a need to really go out of her way to try to make that connection then when she was at her mom's house got along great with mom's new husband Um, that wasn't the issue but uh, her mom's new husband had a son from the 
previous relationship and I think he was a lot younger he was maybe 10 but this kid idolized the older daughter idolized her and he would be very eager at the dinner table and asking her a bunch of questions and asking you asking for advice and just trying to talk to her and this girl would not say a single word to this kid like complete silent treatment I am not exaggerating and mom would work so hard trying to talk to her about, look, you need to talk to him, you know, what's going on. And she just, it was a really painstaking process to at least acknowledge the child's presence and, you know, give him a hello, something. Um, this was a lot of work that mom had to do. And so that line, I think that a lot of parents try to figure out is, you know, where's that line? How much of a relationship do I force? Whether it's with um, with the kids, forcing my kid to have a relationship with the other kids, with the new parent that's in the situation, um, who handles discipline for how long. And so I would say it's, again, this is just a perfect example of how long these processes and these situations take. And to give you some peace and some encouragement in that, even though it sounds really scary and you might be thinking, oh my gosh, Regina, what do you do in that situation? (laughs) And I would say, you know, I think the mom handled it really well, just having conversations with the daughter about the expectations, what was helpful. By the way, these parents who were divorced um, were very, um, got along really well. They communicated well together. And so there was no animosity situation that they had to deal with, which was a nice advantage. And so mom was very able to say hey you need to talk to dad's girlfriend why aren't you being more respectful of that and you know talking about that younger sibling at home too and so just being patient through those conversations and then with discipline I think a lot of people are um, realizing that it's really helpful to make sure that the biological parent the parent that has you know lived with and raised that child before this new relationship is the one that handles discipline especially in the beginning, um, because it's really hard to come in as a new person and to have that sense of authority when you haven't experienced and joined and walked life very long with this younger person in your life. And so that's a tough one. And so trying as parents to navigate that and make sure you appear on the same page and you're backing each other up as best as possible, making sure that natural parent is the one who's giving the discipline whenever possible and as often as possible. And that's going to be a way to help this blended family process go a lot more smoothly and create less conflict and tension for you all over time. So making sure that, you know, ultimately the kids see you as an inseparable team, that you're not arguing in front of the kids in that you're not arguing in front of the kids and that you're making those major decisions in private before you come out and present whatever that decision is to the kids so that they learn to trust this new relationship and this new home that you're trying to build together. There is some research that suggests it's best to remarry before a child is 10 years old or after their 16th birthday. And part of that is, you know, there's just some developmental needs during those times in between 10 and 16 years old that you can really collide with some developmental needs in that time. But not to panic if you're in that situation and you have kids in that window between 10 to 16, not to worry. It doesn't mean that you're going to damage your children forever or they're going to be really having a hard time. It's just just know that you might bump up some against some developmental needs. But what can you do about this? So I'm weaving in the mental health tips with this overall conversation today. 
Um, I think that having conversations again, having some conversations together about what your expectations are for how you want to spend time as a blended family. You know, what does a Saturday morning look like? What do holidays look like? Um, What are these new relationships you're going to have now that your family has grown? Um, What do you want those relationships to look like and what does your spouse want those relationships to look like and what are your children if applicable if they're old enough to have that conversation what do they want them to look like having these type of conversations and then also adding in how do each of you especially as a couple how do each of you need to possibly change some of those expectations to promote success in your blended family so I would also jot down your answers to these questions and have some real heart-to-heart conversations as a way to preserve some mental health and some sanity as you're going through this really challenging process of blending your families together. So for those of you who are in this situation, I just want to say congratulations and many blessings to you. It is a fresh start and I hope that this information will help launch you into success and to continue to persevere and move forward and to know that if there's a little bump in the road that you hit, that it's just in the bump in the road, keep moving forward. And I'm so excited for you and to see how your love will grow. So thanks so much for listening. Continue to connect out loud. If you love this show, please share it with a friend. Let people know um, that it's here. And I can't wait to see you next time. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review, so if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.